Welcome to What's Eric Eating? Culture Map's bi-weekly look at all things Houston bars and restaurants. I'm your host, Culture Map editor Eric Sandler. This is a show where we talk about some news in the restaurant world and also our meals at a couple of restaurants that we have dined at recently. To do that, I am joined by my co-host this week. He is a Houston hospitality veteran and a co-founder of the Houston Barbecue Festival. Michael Former, welcome back to the show. How are you? Uh, fantastic. As always, thanks for having me. Thanks for doing this. Let's dive right into the news of the week. Topic number one, Texas Monthly has revealed its picks for the best new restaurants to open in the state of Texas for 2024. Katami, the sushi restaurant from the team behind Katarobata, leads that list at number one. Josephine's, the seafood restaurant in Midtown, is number five. And Elro, Terrence Gallivan's Pizzeria and Crudo Restaurant in the uh, kind of on the border of Montrose and Midtown comes in at number nine. So three restaurants from Houston in the top ten. And then June and Little's Oyster Bar earned honorable mentions. Michael, what do you think? Did uh, Texas Monthly and Pat Sharp get this uh, get this right with picking these restaurants as the best Houston representatives to open in Texas last year? Well, I mean, I haven't been as comprehensive in my coverage as certainly as she has. I mean, she certainly doesn't need us to validate her cred. She's been writing since the 90s, and Pat Sharp is a very sharp See what he did there. operator indeed. Uh, she really knows her stuff. When she brought Daniel Vaughn in as the barbecue editor, uh, it was not a cakewalk. Like Daniel talked about, you know, like, wow, Pat really knows her stuff. It's not just talking about the difference between a flat and a point. So she... I really trust her opinion. And and I think with any relationship with a critic, it's really coming to understand what your tastes are versus theirs and how you move forward with that. And so that being said, I'm always pretty comfortable with her, her choices. Do I agree with all of them? No, but how boring would that be? Um, now, I have not been to Katami yet. I've been to Katarabata, you know, a billion times, and I have nothing but the utmost respect for Ori and his whole crew there, you know, I'll, I'll make it to Katami soon enough. Uh, certainly enough of my friends have gone and all with glowing responses. Uh, I think the only adjunct, uh, adjunct to that would be, you know, people are like always kind of like, well, it's not an inexpensive prospect, you know, but, but, you know, you go in with that understanding. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I think what you said about Pat is, is well said and, you know, I once had a, a reader sass me on social media with something like, I hate every restaurant you like. And I said, then just lean in. You know, you know that going in. So just accept that and don't go to those places. Go go to the places that you like, right? Save yourself the money instead of trying to find the one that where maybe our tastes align. So, yeah, I mean, and, you know, like you said, Pat is certainly entitled to her opinion of the the restaurants in Houston. I mean, I I was, you know, a little bit surprised not to see June in the top 10, especially not to see Little's Oyster Bar in the top 10 because they had done so well on the Houston Chronicles top 100 and I know that you know, sometimes those those lists overlap and sometimes sometimes Pat sort of sees what the locals like me have to say about things and then goes off in her own direction. So that that was a little bit of a surprise. But then I, I look back at Allison Cook's list of the best new restaurants for 2023, and she had she had Katami ahead of Little. So, 
you know, she said it was the best restaurant in Houston in September and then uh, changed her mind in December. So, you know, who, what are you, what are you going to do? Who, who knows how any of this particular sausage gets made? <laughs> well, I, th I think we can be confident that they're good places. Um, I mean, I'm like you, I think June is the best new restaurant, certainly in Houston. I have not had the pleasure to be, like I said, as comprehensive in my coverage of the state, but you know, I, I have been back multiple times and, and I stand by that, that, that opinion. That being said, it's, you know, I, one thing I talk about, you know, with friends and, and certainly with you have talked about is, you know, how just the, the level of dining in this country has just risen. So, you know, it's just been incredible. And towns that I know and cities I know that were like just sort of dead places for quality restaurants has really turned it around. And the one city I find that has not really done that is San Antonio. I think it's just really it, there's been a real lack of progress and growth. It's not to say that there's not good places to eat there, but it's nowhere near commensurate to what the DFW, Houston and certainly Austin areas are. And for the 10th largest city in the country, that's kind of sad in my book. So, you know, I hope that she's putting places on there because she really does like them, not because, oh, let's check the box. We got to have something from San Antonio on there, you know. So I guess it's well, I mean, I'm, I'm sure that she I'm sure that she does feel some obligation to, you know, scatter the share the love and, and show some respect to each of the Texas cities. I mean, I haven't I haven't been to any of the restaurants in in Austin, San Antonio, Dallas and Fort Worth, but I. I was impressed to see that Fort Worth, just like Houston, had two in the top five. It's like, all right, Fort Worth, you know, way to way to represent, way to way to show off a little bit. Well, I think we've seen a lot of restaurants move there, also because one, it's it's growth uh, in terms of it's, it's it's the people who live there, but also real estate prices are a little more reasonable. You know, I think it's interesting to see a few French places on here. The idea that like French cuisine, like Novelle cuisine, is is by all practical means, you know, kind of dead in this country uh, or certainly in the back, back, back room. Now it's no longer at the forefront, but French food is still widely respected and adored and more and and more than just a sort of bistro, you know, environment, although casual dining and the whole aspect of what casual dining in has certainly risen, you know, people like to eat well, they don't necessarily want to have to always dress up. And so, a scene like Le Margot on there from, I guess it's in Fort Worth, doing something that's uh, a little more refined is, uh, to me, heartening to see that because I love French food and uh, I'd like to see more of it, you know, and more of it beyond just sort of the, the sort of bistro environment, even though I love those. Right. No, I I mean, I agree with all that. And, you know, we've had a lot of that in in Houston over the last year or so. I mean, you and I, you know, we went to O'Tour. Uh, which we really enjoyed. We talked about PS21, Philippe Schmidt's new place. Uh, Mary and I talked about Kakodi. You know, Aaron Bluedorn's places certainly have a French influence to them. So, yeah, we've you know, in a in a city that's been kind of bereft of of French restaurants, where they're on a bit of an upswing. I, I think that I think that's a good thing. I think that's a good thing. Um, and so you know, it's I think what's what's heartening to see is that that. Texas is not resting on its laurels of its places of quality and the chefs of note is that, you know, people are really, when you hear about the number of people who are moving to Texas, you know, over the last one to five years, um, you know, that includes chefs, that includes people who work in this industry and that includes people who want to leave their stamp, you know, create their own, you know, legacy. And it's encouraging to see these new places on there 
you know, of real quality that are that are kind of going for it. It's been almost a year since Josephine's opened, and I, you know, I can't say enough about that place and what Lucas McKinney has done there. It was like it was like one of those places that we needed to have sort of a Gulf Coast influenced place. And we've and you've talked about this. That's you know, it's it's not quite super casual like say Winnie's, but it's not it's not Brennan's tablecloth either. It's, it's something in between, and he's really nailed just nailed it, you know, and he's definitely the type of chef who's not going to rest on that. He, he, he's a very exciting guy in terms of what he does culinarily. And so I'm glad to see more of a spotlight on what he does and, and wish him the best. Certainly. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I agree with that. You know, we've nominated Josephine's for three different tastemaker awards. Lucas is nominated for rising star chef. Uh, his pastry chef is nominated for pastry chef and then they're nominated for best new restaurant so yeah i think i think you know josephine's is a restaurant you and i have both enjoyed and and i do like seeing them get their recognition i like seeing elro get recognized you know we've had we've had so much pizza open in the last year or so you know gold yeah, true story. and nanos and coastline and and everything else but so i i do think what terrence is doing there with both the pizzas and the crudos is, is pretty special and and obviously he brings so much goodwill to that restaurant from his time at the passive provision. So, you know, no surprise to see that on the list, you know, of course, of course I stand for, for Mimo always. And so not to see them included as even an honorable mention hurts my feelings a little bit, but uh, you know, what are you, again, what are you going to do? I, I had my own list of uh, the best two restaurants in Houston that, that people can refer to if they have any, like uh, we said, if we all agree, like saying. how boring would that be? You know? So yeah, I think it's, Elro's been getting a lot of love and the fact that there's such a, 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 a small place and a small menu. And I think part of what I appreciate about that is that it's tightly edited, you know, instead of the tendency to, you know, he may have skills to do a lot of other things, but he's keeping it really tight, which makes sense, certainly financially. But uh, like the crudos, the pizzas there are really top notch. And for, for a tight little place, I'm, I'm happy to see them get that kind of attention too. Absolutely. All right, let's move on to topic number two. Just briefly, I want to note that Conservatory Galleria has opened at 5353 West Alabama, which happens to be where Culture Maps offices are. Uh, so I know my my coworkers are delighted, right? Not that they don't love Burger Chan, but it's only open for lunch uh, four of the five workdays. And so, and you can only eat so many burgers and hot dogs and chicken sandwiches. So, you know, Conservatory adds 11 vendors and and it's diverse, right? There's there's pizza, there's Korean fried chicken, there's hot chicken, there's a birria place, there's a street taco place, there's a grill that's doing burgers of its own, and also steaks. So a lot of choices in the food hall. Uh, Michael, I know that you had a chance to stop by last week. I also stopped by. Uh, what did you think about this uh, addition to the Galleria area? I think it's, I'm, I'm all about, I love food halls. I love the accessibility. I love the price point. Uh, I love the, the the dynamic of the interaction of it, you know, ordering and getting it pretty quickly and then having all these choices right there. Um, now, is this place like destination worthy? Uh, that I would not say. I would say it's not quite that for me. But th- I mean, there's a huge amount of people who work and live in the gallery area. And this will service them just fine i you know it's my impression of it like i went there opening week and they were rocking you know they were places were all doing pretty well except except for maybe the burger place 
Um, anyway, <laughs> anyway, uh, you know, so it's I think it's geared more towards that kind of lunch crowd. It represents that. You know, I know the conservatory downtown. I used to go there after my shift on the restaurant. You know, we go get pho or even barbecue or something like that. But, you know, downtown also had foot traffic. And I don't know that there's really foot traffic there. They're talking about being open really late. I think you said 1 a.m. is what you told me. Um, That's right. I don't yeah. see that. Yeah. I mean, that's just me looking forward. I don't see that lasting. I see it probably closing earlier. But if they can make it work, then more power to them. I would think it's more of a place that's going to, you know, die down more early in the evening when that most of that area kind of goes to bed. I don't know that they'll get the nightclub crowd coming there, but if they can more power to them. Right. I mean, I, you know, I do think the idea of being open late does have a certain appeal. I mean, they do have, they do have two bars. They have a kind of a downstairs main bar with cocktails and beer and wine and, and a pretty extensive selection of all of those things. And they have the kind of, upstairs Roxy lounge kind of an homage to the, the Roxy, the nightclub that used to be in that space uh, more than 10 years ago. And just thinking about, you know, if I have dinner in the Galleria area, you know, someplace on post Oak or even in the Galleria itself. And I want to drink afterwards. There's not really an obvious place to go do that. Right. Like there are restaurants that stay open late, like lock bar stays open past midnight. La Colonial has a lounge. Turner stays open late, at least on the weekends. But there's not really like a like a more casual kind of bar vibe. And so I think Conservatory may have an opportunity just from that perspective, apart from, you know, whatever the food is that the vendors are serving. And so, you know, I, I know you're a little bit skeptical about that late night hours. I think it could work for them, especially, you know, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Now, you know, are they going to have people walking in there at 11 o'clock at night on a Wednesday? No, I think probably not. But but I, I do think there, there's an interesting opportunity there for them. And then, you know, the the other thing I really like about this vendor mix is that they're all they're all pretty experienced. Black Market Birria is a very well-established food truck. You know, Walker has been in different food hall environments, Birdhouse too. Uh Roland Fatties is a food truck that's also at uh at the post downtown. So you know, I think, I think, you know, they're bringing some experience. They understand how to manage the, the flow. They can handle the pop. They can staff down when it's a little less busy. And I just think, you know, it's, it's a good mix, you know, it's casual, it's family friendly, it's relatively affordable. So I, I think, uh, I think this is going to be a really nice addition to the area. And I'm sure, uh, I'm sure my coworkers are delighted. Uh, you know, I could put our producer, Michael Carroll on the spot and just ask him, what he thinks of this uh, new addition to the office. Cause he's, he's in the building a lot more often than I am. It is a much welcomed addition to the building because I've been in this building for, I think 14 years and we've never had this much in terms of choice. Our only option for a long time was subway that got old real quick. And Ugh. it was the worst subway in the history of the world. Like, I don't know. Exactly within the boundaries of a chain restaurant, how some are better and worse, but that was the worst subway ever. It was absolutely terrible. So to have the conservatory gallery downstairs, I've been, I've been down there twice. I've tried the street tacos and I tried birdhouse and it's been just phenomenal so far. I've really enjoyed it. Um, and just, again, the options that it gives us, it's, it's really, it's really a much needed thing for this building that just hasn't had food options in a long time. All right. Well, there you go. The, the voice of God, Michael Carroll, uh, 
<laughs> sharing with us his perspective on right. on the conservatory. All right, Michael Former, do you have anything else to say about this? No, no. I mean, it's worth noting that they've got you know the parking options too, and that that makes it all workable. The fact that they've got that. So, and and I think you and I have talked about this before. Where I mean, it's like you're probably going to see a couple of these come and go and change out for whatever reason, and that is actually a good thing. You know, the the operate the variety will be appealing for a lot of people. I think. Yeah, no, I, I think that's right. Right. It it seems like a few of these different places are all doing different versions of tacos. I do kind of wonder how long that's going to last. But I also know there's not like a, a sushi or a poke option, hand rolls, any of that stuff. And so it feels like there's an opportunity there if if one of these vendors doesn't quite catch on as quickly that you could swap in some sort of uh, Japanese raw fish concept and and pick right back up so yeah lots of opportunity there uh, a very welcome addition to the area and uh yeah i'm gonna say that does it for topic number two and then uh topic number three people who listen to the show every week will notice that i said culture map editor instead of culture map food editor and that is because i was promoted last week to city editor for culture map houston i am now overseeing all of the site's daily production and i don't need any I've gotten so many, so many people have said so many nice things to me uh, over the last few days, and I, I appreciate all of it. The only reason I even bring it up at all is just to assure you that when they offered me the job, I said, I want to keep doing the podcast. And I was told unequivocally, yes, please keep doing the podcast. We like the podcast. We like that you have a podcast. So the podcast is not going anywhere. I'm not going to stop going to restaurants. We're going to keep talking about everything. It's just, I'm going to, I'm just, I just have more to do now. You know, my, my nice cushy uh, work life just got a little bit more busy, but uh, you know, I'm up for a challenge and uh, you know, I had uh, uh, Tim Malcolm from uh, cron.com said uh, I'll be watching and, and the people I work with will be watching. And uh, you know, Michael Fulmer in, in moments like that, I, I always think of uh, the movie, the limey uh, with Terrence stamp where he shouts, tell him I'm coming. You tell him. You tell him I'm coming. So, cron.com, I see you. I see that you're watching me. You tell him I'm coming. <laughs> God bless <For> Steven Soderbergh. <laughs> All right. That does it for the news of the week. We'll be right back with our restaurants of the week. Stick around. Michael, for our restaurants of the week, I want to talk to you about two Indian restaurants, two two very different Indian restaurants. Uh, first up, let's talk about Amarina. This is the fine dining restaurant in the Woodlands. It's been around for uh, close to a couple of years now. I know Linda Salinas and I talked about it when it opened, but you and I were invited to make a visit and check in on uh, Chef Jossie Bindra and everything they have going on up there. So let me just ask you, what did you... What did you think of our meal at Amarina? It was very, I mean, very impressive. You know, sometimes when you see dining become, you know, kind of a show, and they definitely made it a show. You know, the the dry ice, the the really whimsical presentations, and sometimes it it can kind of almost, you know, delve into a sort of a a farce or a parody of itself, and the food loses focus. And I would say that's not the case here. They definitely 
they're all about the preparation. They're all about the execution and, and, and how the food ultimately is experienced, you know, by the guests, the fact that they up the ante, you know, with like these different trays and, you know, all these props uh, for, for the tasting menu that we had, let's say it's not just for every meal. That's I want to be clear about that. Um, you know, was really enjoyable. At, at first I was kind of dubious and then I was just like, okay, let's roll with it. And um, I got to say the majority of what I had, I really enjoyed, you know, there's enough luxury ingredients in there that are well used, you know, using Wagyu and using high end seafood components uh, that were, I think, well chosen uh, that this is kind of a destination worthy place. You know, I, I think that's ultimately like the highest compliment I can pay when we talk about, would you go back? I go, well, that, that you know, the woodlands, it's a long ass drive for me. You know, personally, I live near downtown and I'm looking at close to an hour to get up there. That's until like almost an hour and a half, two hours for a round trip experience. Like, am I going to do that for dining? Well, certainly not very often, but would I do it for that? Cause I'd certainly do would do it for barbecue and I've done it for Tris. I'll do it for chef Austin. But like, would I go back for this? I would, I would. I'm with you. I, you know, we like a, we like a table side presentation. We like, dining that's a little bit theatrical even if it you know it, it kind of walks that line of maybe taking itself a little bit too seriously but you know how can you how can you be mad when they you get this little like sandwich with duck in it and it's served to you on a wooden mallard you know like you can't you just it, stuff like that just makes you smile and and i think you know chef jossie uses those luxury ingredients very well i mean we had a really expertly seared scallop dish we had a really beautiful butter poached lobster we had crab we had uh imported japanese beef we had lamb i mean i i just do think i i do think it was a it was a very impressive meal from start to finish and and i'm with you i mean for us to make the journey to the woodlands for dinner it has to be it has to be pretty special and and this definitely ranks up there among you know any of the best indian restaurants in houston I think it's worth noting that their wine list is pretty impressive in terms of its depth and breadth. I, you know, wine and Indian food is not a very common to me, for me personally, uh, kind of experience, but this is definitely a fine dining experience and whether you go for, you know, a kind of just an elevated, you know, elevated meal or whether it's something more celebratory. And, you know, I think wine is always a, a good, accompaniment in those respects and that they really uh, like i it was pretty impressive the depth that like i said in breadth of the burgundies you know the rieslings the the you know the first and second growth bordeaux the champagnes and then of course you know a lot of the california stuff you know it's it was a little bit unexpected actually and i i hope those sales move for them because they they've got a real inventory there so all you onophiles out there, uh, you know, there's something to add to your list. And there were some reasonably priced ones. You know, it wasn't just kind of the standard 300% markup everywhere. So, uh, you know, that was a, an unexpected surprise for me. Right. And and they also had a, a really elaborate cocktail list with kind of their own kind of Indian-inspired sort of takes on different classics, all very theatrically presented, different glassware, different serving pieces, sometimes things stirred or poured table side. So, you know, they really are trying to create a really holistic experience. And, and I do think it's uh it's an impressive restaurant. I, I mean, I was, I, I liked it the first time 
I can see that they've kind of dialed things in a little bit. They've they focused somewhat in terms of their offerings and, and kind of listen to people about uh, what does and doesn't work up in the woodlands. And so, uh, no, I, I, I mean, I was very impressed and I was uh, happy to be invited and, and glad that we enjoyed it. Yeah, I think it's worth noting, too, that, you know, and I've said this before also that, you know, Indian is never my first choice. I'll never, oh, I'm craving Indian food. And yet every time I have it, I enjoy myself. And that's, that's something I've noted over the years. But looking at their menu, it's like you could go there and not have like this kind of doesn't have to be this intensive sort of curry, biryani, you know, samosa experience. They've got, you know, strip steaks and bone in ribeyes and, you know, and pork belly and things that are done. You can you you can bring your more straightforward guests who say, eh, like who might kind of like be, well, Indian's not my thing. And I think that's smart, particularly at that high level. That brings in potentially more of your business dining dollars too. So that they're being a little more egalitarian in terms of what their environment is, which is, you know, North Houston, you know, the Woodlands area. And so that that makes it more accessible, which is certainly a smart thing to do. Right. And in terms of the flavors, I mean, it, we didn't have anything that was like super spicy, super sour, super pungent. You know, sometimes, you know, Indian food can kind of go in those directions. And and I, I, I welcome that in in the right context. But, you know, this this restaurant kind of knows who its audience is and they're tailoring the flavors to to make sense for the people who are who are eating the food. And so, you know, it's hard to sort of imagine that, that there might be some people who are nervous about eating Indian food or, or still haven't really encountered Indian food. And in 2024 but if a if a less luxurious sort of family-owned kind of restaurant feels intimidating then this is a way to kind of engage with those flavors in in an environment that's maybe more comfortable yeah agreed you know and and really it was a good staff too it was well i mean were we a known quantity we were so obviously were we, were we dining with two of their publicists yes yes we were yeah, okay so, so okay i understand that so but you know what uh I was observing and watching the other tables and how he, watching how the servers interacted with the guests. You know, it was uh, very professional, restrained, but it was warm and friendly. You know, it's well balanced. These guys understand serving from the left or moving from the right. It was like they interacted quite well. And that elevates, you know, that's really important is you can you can have the best chef and you can have all these great ingredients. But having the right staff and having the right training for them, you know, or bringing in the right people is is key and, um, you know, our key component, I should say. And and they definitely seem to have that. And that's uh, that speaks well of it. Absolutely. All right. And then for our second restaurant, I just I just want to mention that you and I went to Himalaya last week for the 20th anniversary of the opening of that restaurant. Kaiser Lashkari, his wife, Azra. By, by any measure, 20 years in the restaurant business, especially for, you know, an independently owned restaurant that that marches so strongly to the beat of its own drummer like Himalaya does is an extraordinary accomplishment and worthy of recognition. And, you know, we we so often do new restaurants on this show and and I like I like trying new restaurants. I like talking about new restaurants. I like uh, sharing those experiences with the audience and, and with my friends. But let, let's show a little love to uh, a stone cold, no doubt, Houston classic. And Michael, let me, I'm, I'll turn it over to you and then and then I'll go next. But say something nice about uh, Himalaya and Chef Kaiser. I mean, you're right. It is a Houston classic. You know, he's, he continue. you know, he does some of the classic stuff, the Briannis, the Vindaloos. I mean, he just nails it. 
you know, these are slow braised meats in a sauce where the spices really coalesce beautifully. And, you know, it's clear this hasn't just been slapped together. But as we know, when you say he beats you know, you know, to his own drum, you know, his chicken fried steak is excellent. His fried chicken is outstanding. Some of the best fried chicken in town. Uh, and I've said this before, too. I think the best flan in Houston is at Himalaya. All right. So, you know, there it is. So, yeah, he does other things really well. And, you know, it is definitely all about the food there. And I've never had anything less than a just a wonderful experience. I remember, God, it's got to be 12, 14 years ago when I first went there. And I have a Malaysian friend, my friend just beer, who took me there. And the first time, like he didn't know me, he knew my friend. We had to get a second table attached to ours because of the amount of food. You know, I always kind of like pace myself when I go there because I know it's just going to be just just crazy. And I'm going to, you know, I can't really have heavy plans afterwards because it's just going to be that kind of experience. And that I mean, I, I mean that in the highest, the highest compliment, you know, the non something as simple as just like the non, you know, having it with, uh, you know, with that, that, that like the the lamb vindaloo we had or the goat biryani. It's just I mean, I could simply just experience that and be happy as a clam, but it moves so much more beyond that. I think Kaiser's become a real part of the community and uh, he is a Houston classic. Yeah, no, I, I agree with all of that. You know, Kaiser said, do you, do you want to order? Do you want me to order? It's like chef, whatever, whatever you want. It's, it's your anniversary, whatever you're in the mood to service the steak tikka, which I, I think is like a marinated sirloin. Yep. But it's just like it's juicy. It was medium rare. It was cooked. You know, it's got that good sear on it. It it's so good. The hara masala, kind of his version of like a like a salsa verde, almost. You know, marinated chicken. You know, you'll never eat. Essentially, you'll never eat tikka masala again. Like once you've had hara masala, like you said, we did the fried chicken. It's crispy. It's juicy. It's always very delicious. And then. You know, every time I feel like I've I've mastered that menu and I know exactly what I want, uh, you know, he busts out like that that braised beef dish, that shredded beef dish that, that I don't think insane. I've ever, yeah, that I don't think I've ever had before, and that we absolutely devoured. And then a friend of mine messaged me on Instagram to say, "Oh, have you had the there's like a the gola kebab?" And I said, "I I don't even know what that is. It's like a it's." Something with its ground beef with the with an almost pate like texture that's marinated with papaya juice, and so now I got to go back. Like the next time I go back, I got to ask Kaiser about the gola kebab because I've, you know, how have I missed the the beef pate with papaya juice? Like what I'm, you know, so I'm I'm always I'm always impressed by the menu. The food is always delicious. The garlic naan is a staple, and and I noticed he has a new Instagram account up. Uh, he's he's hired a new social media team, and he has this very hilarious rant about don't call it non-bread because the word non means bread, and so when you say non-bread, you're saying bread bread. Don't do well. It. I mean, you could try. It's like shrimp scampi. Scampi means bread, you know, shrimp. You know, so you know yeah. he could try, but it's you know I think he's got a losing battle there. But you know what? Well, it's just hilarious to see him show off his personality. Yeah, exactly. His, you know, that that feisty personality that is uh frankly part of the uh Himalaya dining experience. All right. Anything else? Nope. Then Michael, I'm gonna say that does it for the restaurants of the week. Thank you very much. Always a pleasure. Take care, my friend, and congratulations again on the uh on the upgrade and the and the promotion. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening. 
Uh, that's it for today's show. Join me on Thursday when my guest will be Jason Reitcheck from Little's Oyster Park. Mm-hmm.